Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com, and I will be your... uh, I'll be the watcher of this episode because we are talking about Marvel's new Disney Plus series because we are unofficially and never going to be acknowledged by a sponsorship with Disney. But we just like to say it. We're talking about their new series, What If? And I am joined by the ever-present man living a quarter his life a quarter mile at a time, the managing editor of the site, Mr. Al Manorino. I honestly, for some reason, thought you were going to introduce Ken, and I feel like you can go like a million different directions of like who Ken is in either the MCU or like the what if MCU, Um, because I think he could pull off a sick, like insane, um, what's his name, Kang cosplay, if he really wanted to. He could. Rocket. But you have like the essence of like his of like that Kang the uh, the. the he who remains no the he who remains variant i feel like ken can definitely embody that if you ever see ken at a concert when i first met ken like that is who he was and still is like just like this like bundle of crazy joy that's just like the amount of energy this man has oh by the way we have a great special guest this week ken ken Pierre. 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 <laughs> that uh, was that was very fitting because i have quite a man crush on jonathan major so i'll take all listen, that listen Al, you're more like uh, you're right now. You're more like the Yondu of us. You're Fine. you're kind of tired. I'll take the Craglin, honestly. You don't want to hear any crap from your son. Nope, he doesn't. <laughs> he, he don't. doesn't. But yes, we are talking about what if the first two episodes. Of course, this premiered last Wednesday, August 11th. The first episode was um, entitled "What If." Captain Carter were the first Avenger. Um, so, guys, let's talk about what if before we even get into that episode. Uh, you know, this started out, correct me if I'm wrong, Al, since you are my comic book aficionado, uh, at Ken, obviously you are too, is uh, what if the comic book series, did you guys have any previous relationships with this title? Uh, I can go first really quick. So, uh, yeah, I've said on this podcast before, I'm like a, an avid comic reader but more more than that i'm like a collector like the collector so i guess i would be the collector of the group if you really want to really want to throw it out there but um when they kind of announced that this show was happening i was trying to like find a bunch of like of the what if issues that were going to be um you know sought after right um it's funny because peggy becoming cap isn't a what if but Jane becoming Thor was a what if a very, very famous is probably the most valuable of the what ifs, what ifs, uh, one if 10 from the original run um, when Jane Foster gets the hammer of Thor. So my connection with them is from like a collector standpoint of like finding cool uh, what if comics. And that's the great thing about what if is like the stories are awesome. Just like, you know, the animated series of like, you could do whatever you want. So, you know, why not? Um, so there's there's one that's really cool of like I think Silver Surfer getting the Infinity Gauntlet. I thought that was kind of fucking cool. So like again, that's like my connection with it. Oh Ken, how about you? Yeah, funnily enough, like a big thing for me growing up was uh when I'd go to the mall with my parents, uh like shopping malls and that, it was a big thing for me to just like immediately go to the bookstore while they went off and did their own thing. 
and I would always like, you know, read the comics. And my favorite comics were always like the what ifs that Marvel would do and also like Dark Horse would do with like Star Wars and things like that. And I remember it'd be a thing where I would like read a comic and then spend the whole day just thinking like, why didn't, why don't they try this? Like go even further. So when they announced that they were doing the show, I was like really excited because to be able to see that in animated form was something I just knew was going to be really cool because it's just like, it's just a boundless amount of creativity you could explore with that, which I think is really awesome. Yeah. And for the DC fans listening, because um, Ken already mentioned Dark Horse too, if you're interested in like, does DC have something like this? Um, those called those uh, are called Elseworlds. So if you um, just Google DC Elseworlds, you'll, you'll see some of their like pretty much what if stories. Uh, I think the one what if I have that I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, if this was in a Spider-Man comic, was Eddie Brock becoming, instead of becoming Venom, becoming Spider-Man. Yeah, that sounds about right. I remember that one. That was pretty cool. That's, I think, my limited mm-hmm. experience and exposure with this one. But let's get into the series itself before, again, before we jump into the episode. And now this was an obviously an animated series. What did you guys think of the animation style of these uh, of these episodes? Not your typical, like you've seen with animated series on Disney Plus, like we saw with The Bad Batch, has its very distinct uh, art style that was, you know, in line with Rebels and Clone Wars. Um, but what do you guys think about this, the animation style of it? Was it jar- Some people said it was a bit jarring. Some people didn't like it. Some people were absolutely in love with it. So, Ken, I'm going to start with you. I'm surprised by how much I like it because when I saw the initial trailers, it was one of those things where like I very much loved how the colors popped, but I wasn't sure how it would be seeing it through like a narrative point of view of like characters talking to each other. And I think it really excels in that where even though it's very active and very, um, you know, kinetic, it still does have times where I could feel very intimate. And it's interesting. It's kind of like this weird evolved version of cell shading where it's like 3D and 2D at the same time. And I mean, I, one of the critiques that I saw on Twitter, which is kind of funny, is that because of the nature of how the characters move, it's almost like every frame looks like a pose made for like a toy. But if you think about what comics have always been, even comic animated shows, that's just what it always has to be, you know, always has been. So like, that's not, that's one of those critiques that doesn't bug me. I'm just like, yeah, like uh, Peggy Carter does look like an action figure. She's kind of supposed to, but I like it. I'm surprised by how much I like it. And the emotional depth they're able to convey with it. That's like a big thing for me. Yeah, I, I like it too. It, 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 like you said, it reminds me of a cell from a comic book. It, it has some sort of this kind of like um, timeless look to it, especially in the Agent Carter episode. It looks like it could be ripped out of a 1940s like comic book, but there's also moments where it's very Disney animated. There's a scene, there's a, a scene in the, ep- the first episode where Peggy Carter a- a- encounters that big, na- like muscled up Nazi and she punches him and he gets <laughs> like his face gets all like, oh, like he's in pain. I'm like, wow, I feel like I saw that in Beauty and the Beast in 1992. And like it had that very, at a very, classic disney feel to it at times uh but like you said i thought the colors especially when you see it in episode two sort of t'challa was star lord the colors are just so magnificent in that episode they just pop so well especially when the seeds start going uh getting the collector's planet like it's so vibrant uh, i really loved it myself so al what did you think of the animation style of the series so far i loved it because i was a little hesitant like i never cared for like cg animated shows like outside of like the Pixar realm I always thought they looked like just too much like too like 
too CG, too like crazy. I'm trying to think. There was that uh, that MTV Spider-Man series post uh, Spider-Man One. Do you remember that? I thought I was the only person on Earth who was seeing that. I actually didn't hate that. I didn't hate I it either. I love the show. I just thought the animation style was nuts. It's worth a Google. It's worth a YouTube. It is. Uh, check it, it out. It's worth a Google. It'll be... A was 50- that NPH that did the voice for him too? It was, Oh, wow. Your memory is amazing. Yeah. It'll be 15 minutes of your life wasted, but it's worth looking at. For sure. Um, but like, even though I like the show, like I didn't care for the animation style. It's just like there was this weird error in like the early 2000s where like wow it's way cheaper to just do cg let's let's do that it's quicker it's faster but like does it look good eh, who cares right so like i just i never really dug it and with this completely blown away i like the mixture of um both that disney classic style and then i just did a quick google search of like what was the inspiration was it like a specific comic artist or something like that apparently it was like a century old artist like an artist from like a hundred years ago that they adapted the style from or at least was inspired by so that was interesting um yeah big big fan surprisingly um excited to see more i know we get like a marvel zombies episode soon which is based off the the popular uh limited series so i'm I'm excited to see where where they take the uh the animation further uh based um their uh, illustrators that they drew from include uh, J.C. Landecker, Norman, Rock- Norman Rockwell, Tom Lovell, Mead Schaefer. Um, they do a little bit like they said Lady and the Tramp was, in, was an inspiration mm-hmm. as well. So there's that. There, so I saw someone post because I, I follow one of my favorite cover artists. He's also in the, he does interiors, too, but it's like world famous cover artist for comics. Um, Adam Hughes. He, uh, someone said that like the style is like kind of reminiscent of his, which is like a, um, very, um, pop, not pop, but like, um, like pop art, pop art, but like he specifically like the Peggy episode, like the way that they illustrate, like he's famous for like his, uh, female illustrations. Um, the way he does it is a very specific style and they kind of adapt a little of it. I have to do another rewatch to see if I can spot any specifics, but um, I thought that was interesting too. So let's finally jump into the first episode. What if agent Carter were the first Avenger? Um, now guys, just I'm going to ask you for source background. Has this been story been told before in the lore of comics, especially for someone like me who is not as well steeped in the comic realm? Yeah. So a few years back, there was a, a run called Exiles, um, which it's like volume three or four. Exiles has uh, been a, a comic for a number of years, probably since like the 80s or 90s. But there was a run um, and an issue, I think one or two, she's like referenced, but then on issue three, there's like a cover and it says meet um, Peggy Carter, Captain America. And it's like her with like a bunch of other superheroes and she's like leading the pack. And there's an amazing variant cover of that where it's the, um, it's like a propaganda war poster and it's like, we need you. And it's her instead of cap. And that's a great cover. I'll send it to you guys. Um, but yeah, so that it's like directly inspired from that uh, comic series uh, exiles. And uh, can uh, I ask you this? Uh, did you watch agent Carter, the series? I watched some of the first season. There was two seasons, right? Yes, there were two seasons. 
Yeah, I watched some of the first season and, you know, I hate to say it, it's one of these things that I've noticed happens a lot with um, TV nowadays where the quality is so high that it's become like a new standard. So I remember, oh, Alice showing a start. That's really cool. Ooh, yeah, I rem- I've seen that before. I have yeah. seen that before. So this is from uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest, that, that style. It's a, a Marvel iPhone game. Keep going, sorry, Ken. So if Agent Carter, the series, I remember really liking it, but it was one of those shows that fell by the wayside for me, I think because I just ended up watching other things. But I remember being really blown away by Haley Atwell's acting. And a big thing that stuck out to me, which they explore a bit in this, like, what if episode, is how just because she's in a position of power, doesn't mean she automatically gets respect by men. Like, I remember when I watched some of the first season of that show, it really left me stunned how just, it's pretty much just men stonewalling her the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And we see this happen with General, who's uh, who's played by, voiced by Bradley Whitford, who's been in the West Wing. He was most recently on The Handmaid's Tale, Get Out. Um, We see that, and for those who don't know the background of the episode, essentially what happens is, is, there is when they're trying to dose Steve with super soldier serum, uh, the, a bomb goes off. Steve gets out of the pod. He is shot and wounded, but they only have a finite amount of time to actually run the super soldier experiment run by Howard Stark. Uh, Peggy jumps in at the um, the strong obje- objection of said general we mentioned before and others, and she becomes the super soldier and eventually assumes a lot of the roles that we saw Captain America Phil, so how did you guys feel about that? That a lot of this was they essentially insert Peggy Carter into the near exact same scenes that we saw in the first Avenger. I'm going to start with you first. I love how they're doing this, right? So it's not just like, what if this person is this person now and now you're going to see them on a whole new Avenger? Like the whole concept is like, they're, you're actually going through the movie as if we're watching it from this new perspective. And I love that specifically in the first episode with, um, with Peggy and getting to see, you know, how Captain America starts and then what if Peggy takes over and the ramifications, the butterfly effect that that creates. Um, I know Anna will get into it, but I, you know, the most enjoyable thing for me was, was seeing Steve Rogers become the first Iron Man because of this. And I thought that was, Fantastic. Um, so yeah, I loved, I love this concept, the way they're doing it. I don't know if it's going to work every time because again, Marvel zombies, what are they? We'll get it. We'll get it. What are they going to do with that? So I'm, 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 I'm excited to see. We'll get into that with the next episode as well. Cool. Uh, Cause that, that will, that will compare and contrast a bit. Uh, well, Ken, what did you think about them kind of just taking it like, Hey, we're going to take the movie that, you know, and we're going to put Peggy into this. How'd you feel about all that? I really liked it because it showed how, with just writing in general in the context of the films, like how solid it is where you can rearrange some things, but in terms of like the beats that have to go on through the story, how those kind of stay the same. And it kind of shows like how that's really solid. And something that really surprised me with the first episode is that prior to going to the series, I was a bit worried because, you know, we watch these trailers and we see all these things on social media and it's and not entirely Disney's fault, but it's like, we do get to this point where we watch so much of this, uh, these trailers and we find ourselves thinking like, I almost feel like I've seen the whole episode. 
And I was surprised that when I watched that uh, first episode, there was still a lot of surprises to be had. And not even outside of like uh, Steve becoming Iron Man, because Al mentioned it, but also just like seeing how Peggy, it wasn't like entirely easy for Peggy just to be Cap. Like there was still like some trial and tribulations I didn't expect to see. So I like seeing that. Now, what did we think about there was a big change that happened with Peggy in the as Cap? Bucky doesn't die. So Bucky doesn't die, which now throws in to, uh, you know, let's play a little, just extrapolate here, the what if universe. Does that mean we don't get a Winter Soldier? We don't get a Falcon? Like, does do we change a huge dynamic in the fate of many characters that we've grown to love in the MCU? Well, what's interesting about that is, and they, Disney kind of sneakily announced this, like, I think just like um, the week before last, but there are going to be ramifications from this series that play into the films. They haven't said in what way, but it's like, I think a lot of people initially looked at this series as just like such an aside that'll have nothing to do with the movies. And then Disney were like, no, this this has some like effect on the movies. And it's like, oh, great. So now it's like, it's like you said, I wonder if like they're going to use this as a means to retcon anything. I, there's, I, I can name five things right off the bat Do it. That, that I would retcon. Do it. If ben I was Kingsley. Disney. Well, ben Kingsley. Wait, no. He's apparently he's in Shang-Chi. Which I, I saw him in the premiere photos. I was like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, man. he's in it. No, I mean, I think I think you can um, you can resurrect some people to bring them to continue their existence. Um, someone like the collector, an easy one, I think, uh, wouldn't be the top of the list. I would have said Black Widow, but I don't think Disney's trying to uh, resurrect her anytime soon. Um, yeah, I, I would even say Hella, because I always thought that she was too good of a villain to waste in just one movie. Um, yeah. I'd love to see more of Hella, but that's, that's three. I can name a bunch more, but not right now. So... What did we think of, we mentioned Steve Rogers becoming the first Iron Man, essentially, and he was in the Hydra Stomper, I guess they called it, uh, which is, you know, essentially just like, I guess, a little nod to the Hulk Buster and just how clever those names are. Uh, Ken, what do you think about them, to, you know, Steve not becoming the super soldier and we're inserting him now into this Iron Man role. And essentially, in some ways, we're inserting him, you know, we've inverted the roles of him and Peggy because we see, uh, especially at the end, where he's the one left behind. Yeah. It kind of reminded me in like the first Avengers film. Like I rewatched that like fairly recently, like at least a month or two ago, but there's a great part where, you know, Cap and Iron Man are fighting for the first time, like arguing. And then I think Cap says, I'm going to butcher. He says some lines of like, you know, if you take off that suit, what are you? And then Tony says this whole, like, you know, philanthropist billionaire thing, but it's one of those things where it's like, you could tell he really felt that way. And it was interesting seeing that kind of inverted where, he does have this big suit, you know, Steve in the comments of what if, but then he is so much more than just the suit. Like he is still like the brave man underneath. And it kind of shows that like, if he had that context, he would still always rise above it. So I thought that was like a little interesting nod. I don't know how hyper intentional it was, but at this point, since this, you know, the MC has been going on for like, what, like close to 15 years now, it's like everything self retro at some point. So I think that was almost like a little nice nod to it. I was. I think it's genius playboy billionaire philanthropist. If I had to guess, I think yeah, he did say it might be the order. Okay, um, himself a playboy. That's kind of funny. 
It's hilarious. I mean, it, it's Joss Whedon just, you know, thinks he's the fucking, thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I absolutely loved this episode. Um, you know, I think, I think it felt a little rushed at times. I think dialogue wise could have been a little better, but just to see how, you know, the one small change with Peggy, one huge change affected everything and the way they kind of layered it. I thought it was great. I thought, I thought her still falling in love with Steve was kind of perfect too, um, which just kind of shows their bond. I think my only gripe with the whole thing was like, I mean, they couldn't get Chris Evans back. Come on. Couldn't get, couldn't get Chris. It's messed up because a lot of, a lot of amazing talent came back for this, um, for both these, even, you know, they got, uh, Tom Cooper, Haley Atwell, uh, they got, even they even got Stanley Tucci to come back for like two minutes. Well, like, well I'm going to get, uh, that was one of my, going to be one of my questions. Um, I was going to do in general for the series, but I will say the guy they got to play Chris Evans, pretty good. Sound a lot like Chris Evans to me. Sound like because I've seen the trailer. If you've seen the trailer, you see that they're gonna have um, Downey, or sorry, they're gonna have Tony Stark in it. Does not fucking sound like Tony Stark at all. Uh, Dave Batista was not Drax. I uh, thought Batista was in the credits. Am I losing my mind? By no, the way, you said he was on on Twitter. Said he was not asked to be in the series. Oh wow! Does, was Benicio in it? Because that guy did not sound like Benicio at all. The collector I did not. No. I think maybe Benicio oh, was, but the, did he forget how to play the character that he, he played three times? Benicio del Toro is is in it. I bet Chris Evans like actually opted not to be in it because he knew if he was, he would just be have his like Twitter mentions be for a month. Does this mean you're coming back as Cap? And he probably proactively was like, I don't want to deal with that. Smart, smart. Or they just didn't give enough money. That too. I mean, if I'm Chris Evans at this point, I remember yeah. reading um. When, whenever they had him on the cover Rolling Stone for the first time, because mm-hmm. uh, some people might forget the big interesting thing with Chris Evans is that he didn't want to be Cap initially. And it was like his agent at the time who was pretty much like, you're either going to do this or I'm going to quit. It was like a whole thing. And funny enough that Disney wanted John Krasinski and the they director. Did. Yeah. And it was like a whole thing. And I remember reading that Rolling Stone feature and Chris Evans was like, you know, it's so funny. I was so against being this Captain America person. But from the money I've made this, from these movies, I've been able to buy my mom and all my brothers their own houses. Yeah. So considering that type of wealth, I'm sure. Their own mansions, probably. I mean, he was, I could, and I think the whole thing was because he was Johnny Storm and that it's so, it was just so ill-received. And I don't think. Chris Evans has been in 7,000 comic book properties. Yeah. Like, think about it. Pre- the Losers. The was Losers. It? Which is a great movie. Is it Push? Is that that one? He's in Push, but that's not. A, I don't know if that's based on a comic. It is based on a comic. Okay, so Push was based on a comic, but then I'm you also have Scott Pilgrim too. I'm one of twelve people who've seen that movie. I think you are. Which one is Push again? It's like I don't even know how to describe it. It's not worth seeing. It's not worth seeing. It's not awful, but you'll watch it, and afterwards you'll be like, "Why did I watch this?" Uh, deep cut Chris Evans movie that's actually super enjoyable. I totally remember this movie. I absolutely remember this movie. Yeah. Cellular. Uh, yeah, you'll find yourself thinking I should just be watching The Wire right now. I should be watching this. Yeah, I mean, have you guys I, seen Cellular? That's a deep cut Chris Evans movie. I think Jason oh, Statham's wait, the bad guy. Remind me, the, remind me of the premise. That's like really um, cool. he randomly answers. Uh, uh, he gets a phone call from an unknown number, and it's a girl who's like uh, a woman who being held 
uh, captive. It's what's her name too from uh, oh from uh, from. <laughs> it's like an on rails movie, and he's trying to like save this girl while getting phone calls, right? Correct. Oh man, oh. Uh, L.A. Confidential. That movie looks so. What's awful. the uh, what's the actress from L.A. Confidential? Uh, yes, Kim Basinger uh, is is the woman who calls him, and she's being kidnapped. She's kidnapped by Jason Statham. Oh God. Yeah, it is a very random movie. Totally worth watching. Is it though? Totally worth watching. Just for like, oh my God, <laughs> this is what they thought cell phone technology was. <laughs> so fantastic. Let's talk about um let's talk about these the ending to this episode, where is essentially we're inversed and Peggy Carter goes through this portal. Um it closes up on the side and Steve says, You stole me a dance, that line that brought us all the tears in the first movie. And then he, she shows up on the other side, and there's Nick Fury and Hawkeye. No pizza dog. I'm sorry, Al. But one day, one day. Um, how did you guys feel about this? Like, there's, and there, I think because, and I, I, I'm going to ask this for this specific episode, and also, is this a fear you might have, or a worry you might have? For the series of it's going to get a little. It was this a cute ending? Was it too like on the nose, or like too like oh, look where she ended up? She ended up like where where Steve Rogers did. And are you worried that they are going to lean a little too much into the, Oh, here, look at this coincidence, how this went a different way, but it ended up the same way. Do you guys worry about that at all? Or from the first two episodes, are you pretty confident that Marvel is going to create their kind of their own unique stories? So kind of going to start with you. And if you need me to not be so word salad with that, I can try and boil it down for you. No, I, I totally get what you're coming from. And it's one of those things. And I mean, I, I, I go into it more in depth when we talk about the second episode because it's yes. kind of like how I left feeling. But in an overall general context, to answer your question, it's a slight worry of mine that I'm willing to accept because I think what's interesting about animation from both a storytelling perspective and the expectations people have when it comes to taking it in is that it almost as a medium innately needs to have some predictability in it, regardless of how much it's able to like go into different facets and areas. And I think what makes this kind of interesting is that because, I mean, look at us, we're on a podcast right now talking about it by the nature of like what Marvel movies are. We want to dissect them and we want to like go in depth with them. But because animation is what it is, uh, there is a surface level thing to it. You know, does whatever that makes sense, because on some level, animation has to be approachable. They're just for children. So there's only there's a level of depth it could always ever go. I feel like at least when it comes to like animation that's you know not rated or ha- like has a hard like for adults only. So to answer your question in a simple way, it is something I worry about, but I've accepted just by the nature of like what animation is. Al, what about you? So again, as a, as an avid reader of the internet. They, they've said that Peggy is kind of be like this kind of through line for the what if universe, right? This, this, this part of the multiverse, however you want to say it. So I read her jumping through the portal, not as a Steve Rogers like ending where he gets frozen in time, but more as she is now going to be this through line, this connection for the rest of the what if verse. I don't know if there has to be a better name for this. Um, someone clever, come up with something better. But I'll let Jeffrey Wright come up with it. 
yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of that. Like I'm 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 really cool with seeing more of her because I loved her in the role, and and we just you know we don't get more Agent Carter, which sucks. So we're getting this, which is like can't ask for more. Um, and this leaves plenty of opportunities f- to bring in you know fan favorites from other either failed or not running MCU stuff anymore like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, um, you know, even the short films that I've mentioned on the, on the past podcast, these little shorts that we used to get on the DVDs of these movies where we were introduced to new characters and we've never heard from them again. So I'm excited to see that, hopefully. So this was a, uh, before we move on to our second episode, this was a star-studded episode for vocal, for voice casting. We mentioned some people just for everyone to know. Haley Atwell returns, Sebastian Stan, Dominic Cooper, Stanley Tucci, Toby Jones, Bradley Whitford. Uh, Red Skull was voiced by Ross Marquand of The Walking Dead. And if you've never seen just YouTube, Ross Marquand and Impersonations, he's amazing. He's so good. He he played him in Endgame. Yep. Oh, he did. I did not know that. Yes. Uh, Daryl Hammond uh, was a Nazi general. Uh, Josh Keaton was the actor who did Steve, who was Steve Rogers. Great job. Samuel who did Dum Dum Dugan? No, uh, Neil McDonough, the original actor. Oh, uh, my boy. J- Jeremy Renner was back as Hawkeye. Samuel Jackson back as Nick Fury. Uh, of all those people who returned, who was the most, uh, which one was the most, was your favorite or you th- slash, which was the one that worked the best in the episode? Uh, so, Ken, I'm going to start with you. Ooh, for really me, you start with me. <laughs> For me, it was Red Skull. I love Red Skull um, in the sense that he's one of those villains that from the comics and how he's portrayed in that first Cap film, it's just like, I and I, I think it's reminiscent of like um, the Joker in the Dark Knight, but in a less severe way where it's like, I love villains who are just evil for evil's sake, where if you were to like actually dissect and dig deeper into why they're evil, it's just very comical and it's just kind of like a mustache, mustache twirling thing. So Seeing Red Skull come back, I love because I remember uh, after he de- like you know he he goes into space in the first Cap movie. I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, we're gonna see this guy so many times. Like they clearly are saving him to keep him alive." And we didn't see him again until Infinity War, and I was like, "That that's always been a downer for me. He's one of those villains I've always wanted to see utilized more because in the comics he just gets so much more absurd and has so much crazier ideas." So. Any return of Red Skull is a good one for me. Al. I mean, I love Dominic Cooper's Howard Stark. It's very, it's very good. He's very good. I love I've always loved that man um, from his first time as Howard Stark in Captain America. And then if you've never seen Preacher, my lord, what a great check out our interview with Dominic Cooper multiple times from San Diego Comic Con on the Pop Rate. I think it was at least twice. At least Honestly, twice. At least twice. Um man. That guy's great. I would have loved to see more Howard Stark. You know what's really funny? If you guys Google it uh, or go on YouTube, you can check out. There was a uh, a press junket that he was in, and he, someone spoiled that Howard Stark died to him. Like, he didn't actually get to see Civil War, and he didn't know that Howard Stark died. Like, how he died. So it was pretty interesting. It's a funny, it's a funny video. Cooper was not Howard Stark in the series, was he? Say it again. No, uh, Agent Carter. He was not right. No, he was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he popped up. 
I think he, I think he was in at least the premiere, but I don't think he, he's not in the whole season. I think he pops up like he's like a guest. Because John Slattery would play the from Mad Men would play him later on. Right. Uh, I wouldn't actually see, mind seeing that version of Howard Stark either. I do love John Slattery. Love Slattery. And, and I'll, I'll watch him all the time. Great, great voice. So I think that would be awesome for me. It's 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 kind of a lame pick, but it's Haley Atwell. I loved her as Agent Carter, and to have her back and just. The way it was only her voice, I think, could really work with especially the bar scene. I think the bar scene with her and Steve was just this wonderful moment. They kept this very tender, genuine moment. And I, while that guy was able, Josh Keaton was able to really mimic Chris Evans' voice and he did a good job. It was really Haley Atwell back in this character and, and, and that we didn't see on in a bigger, you know, platform do more. I know we had the series, the series didn't really live up to expectations. So, I mean, and it wasn't her fault, but uh, so I just think her back in the role, you could tell, like you could, you could hear how much fun she was having in this role, especially as a kick-ass version of agent Carter, like even more kick-ass version of agent Carter. So for me, especially in that bar scene where they're talking about it being like Steve's her, still her hero and stuff. It was fantastic. And I love when she would take charge of stuff. And it just like, for me, I'm just like, this was cool. I would have loved to see a live action version of this film. I think it would have been great. Uh, and I think that's something we might talk about when we get to our second episode, which is my transition into the second episode is what if T'Challa, our guy who we know from Black Panther, was Star-Lord? This is a much different uh, premise than our first one where it's just like, hey, there, you know, we could see, you know, Agent Carter becoming the first Avenger. OK, you can see that. But hey, T'Challa is Star-Lord. Uh before we even get into the episode, just based on that premise, Ken, how how interested were you in this episode? Oh, man, uh, extremely. I mean, it's one of those things where I think so. I, I know there's some people who feel like Chad was Chadwick Boseman's portrayal of T'Challa was a little too understated. I've heard that as a critique before, but I bring that up because weirdly enough, that's exactly what I love about how he played the character, where it's kind of reminds me of like someone like um, the Fonz and Happy Days, where it's a guy who's so cool. He rarely has to say too many words to prove that he's cool. And it's like everyone around that orbits around that character is reacting to the coolness. I felt like he hit that in a very unique way that we haven't seen like arguably since maybe like with Han Solo. It's like, but that's maybe such a different context. But yeah, I really... um was keen to see how this was going to play out because, I mean, how can you not? For me, um, of all the ones I saw, in the first two were the ones I was the most intrigued by, but I do love the first Guardian. I haven't seen the second Guardians. It's well-documented why. Uh, just because family life, job loss, whatever. I got far behind. Al shakes his head, and there's so many movies he needs to catch up with. It's ridiculous. So star- so for them, for them to take Black Panther and say, hey, instead of being Black Panther, you're going to be Star-Lord. I'm just like, great, I'm in. And the, the fact this was Chadwick in one of his last roles ever um, was uh, was like a really, it was just really nice. I was like really excited just to see him, to hear him, I should say, back in this role. And anytime you can get like, and putting him in a caper situation, which is all what Guardians is, I'm just like, all right, great, I'm here for it. So Al, were you, were you uh, excited when you heard the possibility of, of well, I'm sorry, the potential of this episode when you heard the title. I wasn't excited. I was more curious than anything else. And I was 
like relieved that we got one more opportunity for Chadwick to play T'Challa um, selfishly. Like I just, I miss that man so much. And just to get to hear him in that role again, uh, it was pretty, pretty awesome. So I was, I was excited um, for that, but not necessarily the concept. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I, I never even thought that could be a thing. And then, Marvel did what Marvel does. So for those who don't know, give me a quick background. I'm never going to look at Wikipedia on this because I watched this minutes before the episode started. So essentially what happens is the Ravagers, well, they don't get Peter Quill. They accidentally pick up T'Challa who's wandering the plains of Wakanda because he wants to explore. He wants to go out there and see the world and, um, you know, taser face and, uh, and Sean and, and weasel. I'll just call him weasel because it was, it's Sean Gunn. Um, they pick him up and uh or Craglin? Craglin. It could be Craglin. Uh, but you know, he was calendar man too. Great year for Sean Gunn. Um the best. The best. Um did you watch Suicide Squad, Ken? Not yet, but oh. I didn't know he was calendar man. That's hilarious. I know polka dot man's in it, which cracks oh, dude, it's on HBO Max. You gotta watch it. You're gonna love you gotta it. Watch it. If you need a login, just hit me up afterwards. It's very uh, great. Uh, but anyway, so it's it's essentially they pick up T'Challa instead of Peter Quill. And he becomes he becomes Star Lord, and and he has a much more amiable relationship with everyone as opposed to Peter Quill, Yondu, and the Ravagers. He's still with them. Jaiman uh, Hansu's character, uh, Korath the Pursuer, uh, ends up just being a huge fanboy for for Star Lord, and ends up joining them. And in part of the crew, uh, Nebula asks them to. Um, to steal something from the collector uh, and part of the team besides the Ravagers and T'Challa and Nebula is Thanos who apparently T'Challa just talked him out of being a genocidal maniac. Okay. Let's stop there. Let's stop there. T'Challa as Star-Lord talked the big bad of the major phase, the first arc of the MCU into not killing and kind of just being part of a heist team. How do we feel about that? By the way, if you're wondering, yes, it was Josh Brolin voicing. So can I just jump to my favorite performance? Holy shit. Josh Brolin came back as Thanos, the good guy, Ravager. Like there's so many levels of insanity. It's a cranky bastard Thanos though. Oh yeah. But like the level the, you know, one small change, Peggy becomes uh, Cap. We get no Winter Soldier. We keep Bucky. Steve becomes Iron Man. Like, some pretty big things. But T'Challa changed the fucking existence forever. Like, insanity. <laughs> like, the, the amount of things that he does just by becoming Star-Lord. It's Fonzie. It's, it's Fonzie who turned Thanos into Mrs. Cunningham. My God, I never in a million years <laughs> would have ever. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this was insane. I-, I loved every minute of this episode. Um, the people who they got into this episode was pretty great. Um, like you said, Batista didn't join, but they had a great Drax moment. We got to see a cool what if nebula, a happy nebula, which is interesting. We've never saw that before. A very fun, 
happy, cool Nebula, not like hates the world vindictive uh, Nebula. I also thought the the all-star of this show was um, the guy from Guardians who becomes a Ravenger, the bad guy who was on, um, you, you mentioned it, Bill, I can't remember his name. Oh, it, well, it's, it, it's the character played by Jaiman Hansu, which is Korath. Korath. So Korath, I think, crushed it. I thought that was the, he was amazing. I don't think we've ever heard or seen Jaiman Hansu in a really like kind of happy-go-lucky role. Never, ever. He's always like, he's been a nice guy. Like he was like a good dude and gladiator, but he's always very intense. Yeah. Uh, if anyone has seen him in a, a happier, like a comedy, like we've never seen Jaiman Hansu really in a rom-com. Have we? I don't think so. And if we have, it, it didn't do that well. Um, so I thought it was, I agree. I loved it. The fact that he was just like, like he was so stoked to be a part of the team. Exactly. Uh, Ken, what did you think of Thanos just being like, Hey, I'm, uh, I didn't kill the world. I didn't kill the universe. Although he does, he will never admit that his plan was wrong because it was efficient. Genocide, according to Thanos, universal genocide is efficient, but he didn't do it because, you know, T'Challa talked him out of it. How did you feel about that? That was a really nice surprise. I mean, it is one of those things where it's just like, I know I keep saying Fonzie, but it is Fonzie. Like, it's like, he's so cool. He could talk a psychopath from like down from killing a whole universe. And it's just like, you know what I think it speaks to is that I, I haven't seen like, um, like a visceral reaction online yet, but I imagine most people's reaction to that is going to be mine, which is I watched it and I was like, oh, of course that would happen. Like T'Challa is that cool. <laughs> he can make that happen. I, I love, I, I, when he, when Thanos shows up, I am thinking he's going to be like the rival. Maybe he wasn't going to be like the bad, big bad, but he was going to be like their rival or he was like, he's the guy who ran the club or something like the, the club they're in where they all meet the bar or whatever you want to say it is that they all meet it. And that's what I thought was going to happen there. But when he's just like regular guy, Thanos, I'm just like, that's amazing. And you're right. Where Peter Quill was the agitator of everyone. He annoyed the crap out of everyone. But he, he kind of won you over in the end because he's like that charming rascal. It's like everyone just likes T'Challa because he's super nice He's really cool and he's very level-headed. So he's never changed his character, but the Star-Lord character is completely turned on. It's subverted from what we know him as because everything was about Star-Lord and, you know, he ended up doing the right thing at times, but he also was a pain in the ass. T'Challa's not. So the rest of the episode, we see them going to the collector Um and they're trying to steal stuff and we get this heist, this whole, you know, triple double cross. How did you guys feel about there was I felt like a, there was a heck of a lot more uh, big sweeping action for me in this. What did you guys think of the the latter part where it was more um, a lot more fists and punching than, you know, kind of witty dialogue? How did you feel like the whole episode played out, especially towards the second half? Uh, I'll start with you. I, I feel like not enough was said about my boy Peter Quill being the world's biggest fuck up. Like in the sense that if T'Challa becomes Star-Lord, the universe is saved like 20 times over. Like it's insane <laughs> to think about that. <laughs> um, no, man, I, I just, if this is what the show is going to be, I'm 
I'm going to get up early and watch it every morning. Like, this is what I, exactly what I want to see. Uh, I want to see my returning favorite actors voicing the characters they're known for in a potentially different way and gorgeous animation, gorgeous animation with awesome storytelling, which is fun, fun storytelling um, where, you know, these writers get to play with this in the sandbox with all the toys and do whatever they want with them. I think that's so much fun. And were you disappointed that we did not have the, the, reg, the, the actual, the regular guardians, essentially, we didn't have Gamora. We, we got a little bit of Drax as a cameo. We didn't have rocket or Groot. Were you disappointed that they weren't in this episode? Initially I was, but then as the episode went on, I realized that it would just be like a distraction. Like it was one of those things where I was like, oh, come on, like they should be here. But then it's like, it's so much centered around um, T'Challa that it makes sense. To be honest, you know, the only big criticism I have, there's probably two critiques I have, but the big critique I have is that we kind of don't get enough T'Challa. And I think it's a testament to how when they were making this, they didn't make it in mind that this is going to be his last ever thing. But it's the sad reality of like, because of what happened to him last year, it's like the expectation that is like, you know, hanging over this like a cloud. And when you watch it, it's actually a lot more casual than that kind of expectation that you're coming in with it. So that's actually weirdly like both a strength and a weakness, I feel, of the episode, which feels unfair to say, but it's almost like one of those like, you can't really shake it while you're watching it. At least I don't think I could. I think this would have been like one of those, like I, I asked you in the previous episode where it's just like, you know, do we, the fear of this ending to everything's too neatly, everything fits. It's a little too cutesy. I think this would have been a big one because like you said, T'Challa is, it's not guardians. It's T'Challa is the star of this. It's not like, what if the guardians teamed with black Panther? It's what if T'Challa was star Lord. So I, I like the fact it was more centered around him and we didn't crowbar in, the rest of the guardians. I like the Drax cameo, but I felt like giving us time with the ravagers, uh, like characters we didn't spend a ton of time with, as opposed to just rehashing it, like making it a, another guardians thing, I think worked at, because especially you're coming off that first episode where it's just like, we're going to retrofit parts of winter soul um, first Avenger with Peggy in the lead. And this was not just like, let's retrofit guardians one, into you know with t'challa in the lead it's just like this is t'challa's story and we're going to tell in a different way so al what do you think about the lack of the og guardians in the uh in this episode it didn't bother me as much because i think it would have felt too like overloaded if we got every single guardian because we'd had to spend time with like the way the the ones they introduced it was uh i think the nebula and drax right were the only ones Yes. Yeah. So I think that was perfect because it served the story for Nebula and then it's a fun cameo for Drax, right? Like perfect balance. I think if you had Rocket and Groot and you had Gamora, I just think I think it would have overloaded it a little too much. And I don't think Gamora would have been like a good love interest. Again, like I think it would have been too repetitive. Like, what do you do with Gamora then, right? I think you see Nebula takes on this new role can open up the possibilities of like, what is Gamora doing now? And are Rocket and Groot even alive? Like, have they made it? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's but cool. But Drax's you... family was alive. 
I know. And Drax is a bartender now. So like, where's Gamora? What are Rocket and Groot doing? And you're left with those questions. And I think that's kind of fun. I think if they try to tie it up in too much of like a neat bow, it would have been overloaded. I mean, remember, they're trying to tell the whole story in 35 minutes while also giving you like somewhat of an origin of what already happened prior. So it's a lot. It's a lot to go through. Let's let's talk about did we like the collector as the 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 big bad in this one? Um, for me, I, I did like it. I like that we revisited. We got a Howard the Duck cameo. Uh, we got the um, the cosmonaut dog cameo again, and we saw various Cree uh, and Skrull and and different people from there. And we also got little nods to to Thor and a couple other things. I don't know where the the knife was. I can the, when he first pulls out the blade. I don't remember which movie that was a reference to. Um, where he's just like this blade. And, oh no, it was that was from Thor: The Dark World. And oh, it was a dark elf blade from Malachite. Yeah, he had Hela's helmet. Um, so what did you guys think of the return of the collector as uh, the big bad for the episode? Can I start with you? It felt a little forced. Like I enjoyed it, but I think it was one of those things that kind of ran its course. Maybe like a good five or ten minutes before the episode ended so i don't know like the, the fight was cool but it felt very it's almost like a weird criticism have, but it felt very comic booky like it felt like one of those types of things i imagine like i can remember being 14 years old and like being amongst my friends and being like all right now what if he does this and what if he does this like kind of had that vibe to it but it was it's, it was fun seeing him and I love the way the fight resolves, even though the fight was very kind of juvenile in that sense. The way everything kind of wraps up is something that I really liked. Yeah, I felt like I needed a couple. I actually felt like I needed a couple more minutes to reestablish the collector and like spend a little more time with him. Like things just happened really quick. And we also had um, we also had at, uh, Proxima Midnight and um we had another big you know one of his subordinates that were in there and we didn't really spend a lot of time with them even though they were involved in that main fight i feel like we need another minute or two with our villains in order to just establish them a little bit better uh al what do you think yeah i i I thought i thought having the whole black order there was was interesting um as kind of as like lackeys i liked who they picked because the collector never seemed like a threat ever from any like he wasn't meant to be um i think any other like universe or in the hands of like dc or or older marvel he would have been like already established as like a threatening villain so it was cool to see like the juxtaposition like of him like oh it's the complete opposite like he's he's actually taken on power and the way he's done it is with collecting like i thought that was kind of cool like he literally stole all these artifacts and does the thing that he uses it's not that he is like a god or brute strength or powers or whatever he literally just takes shit that he's collected over the years and he uses that like i thought that was kind of cool i thought it served the the story well and it's it was a pre-established guardian's adversary question mark so it it made sense in the long run let's wrap it up when we end it with this episode wrap this episode up by saying we we see you know, obviously T'Challa was what the collector was trying to collect. And we get the revelation that his that Wakanda was, you know, he discovers Wakanda was not destroyed as Yondu once told him. 
but he is returned to Wakanda and we get the interaction between Thanos and Okoye. I believe it's Okoye he was interacting with. And then we get um, everyone, the Ravagers are talking with the guard and everything. So, and then we have, you know, the, the table where Yondu is uh, there with Chala and T'Chaka talking about, you know, how he went exploring and, you know, how basically Yondu saved him and whatnot. How did you, Ken, how did you feel about that final end for um, for the episode? And 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 that was our final, you know, that's our final scene is Chadwick Boseman as, as Black Panther. Uh, it, w- it was predictable, but in a sweet way. It was like one of those things that you saw and like, it's like, it's almost felt like the episode could only end here, but it did still feel heartwarming watching that. And yeah, I, I loved it. It's, there's not really much to add to it, honestly. It's just, it's exactly what uh, needed to happen at the very end. Yeah, I'm, you know, I I, I agree. And I mean, it, it's an interesting take because the last time we saw um, father and son uh, was, his father was dead. You know, and and now they're here. They are. They're both alive, and they're both they're reunited in a, in a really sweet manner. And but also, Yondu is embraced as kind of this uncle slash surrogate father of of T'Challa, and in a very loving manner. And everyone's just kind of happy and hanging out together, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, Al, what you what did you think about the the reunion of father and son? Oh man, that was insane. I, I mean. I can't believe we live in a world where we get to see that, like that kind of closure, that ending. Cause and in another place, another time, we wouldn't be seeing another performance from him again. So I, I feel like as fans, we like are truly, truly blessed um, that we got to see him do this again and, and be able to, you know, interact with uh, uh, Papa Wakanda one more time. Uh- yeah, but that wasn't it with the end because no. uh, because Peter Quill, when he, <laughs> he wasn't taken, he's uh, sweeping the floor. Yeah, at a local fast food <laughs> joint, and lo and behold, the don't you dare, sir! It's a Dairy Queen. So, yeah. sorry, is, if, if it's not a Dairy Queen grill and chill, then what are we even doing here? Um, Ego played, voiced by Kurt Russell returns and as our uh, our narrator says uh, he finds his son it could mean the end of the universe uh how do you feel like i don't know if, do you guys feel that they'll pick up with that thread or and if not how do you feel about that as the little coda at the end marvel's paying a lot of rent jesus christ they're paying a lot of people's rents with these cameos yeah kurt russell the original disney kid okay. uh i'll what do you so what do you guys think? Do you think we're gonna see this continue through or is it this was just that cute little one off? I think we will. It felt it seemed like a little like stinger of like watch what's here to come, especially because we know there's gonna be some through lines of some of the future episodes. I'm kind of hoping like I know the X-Men aren't a thing yet in the MCO. It's like my biggest thing. I know it, it hurts, it hurts my soul. But if we got like a random old man Logan thing, I would die with that because i mean who's to say they can't do something random like that that'd be kind of cool good they can do whatever they want they could that's the great thing about having this not only the platform of disney plus but like animation like to go back to is dc has uh, been doing this for years these straight to dvd or um straight to streaming yeah. or however you want to say 
they've been doing these adaptations of like classic storylines of comics with voice actors and great animation. Um, some movies are awesome. Some are not great, but there's a whole division doing this. So what's Marvel, what's, what's it to stop Marvel from saying like, Hmm, I don't think this will work as a, a feature or even a Disney plus series, but we could probably do this as like a one shot animated. Like, I think this is, a great opportunity for that. Um, you know, people are like, do secret war, do this, do that. Like, that's, what's going to happen next. It's like, probably not, but if you want to see that, we'll show you. You were remiss if we didn't talk about the watcher. There's a character that, uh, you know, has been around the Marvel universe for a long time. Jeffrey Wright. He's, he's introing us and outroing us in every episode. I cannot think of any better casting than this. Um, what do you guys think of Jeffrey Wright in the role of the washer? I'll go really fast. Fucking awesome. Ken. <laughs> I agree. It's fucking awesome. I love Jeffrey Wright. It's yeah. He kicks ass. He kicks ass. And also it's uh, as a comic book fan, a fan of the books, yeah. the way the watchers eventually um, intersect with the general 616 universes also very interesting so it'll be interesting to see if that ends up happening to some degree didn't the watchers appear in one of the movies i can't remember if they were like in doctor strange or captain marvel i think they were in one of the movies like just kind of randomly so they are in um or is it guardians 2 i think it's either the end i think it's the end credits guardians 2 because yeah no it's not the end credits there he is in the end credits but it's like a cam. It's the Stanley cameo in oh, Guardians yeah. Two, where you see him talking to the Watchers. Yeah, and it's kind of like a. And then what happens? And then he's like, "Oh, well, wait till you hear this type of vibe." Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. It, it's him explaining the the his, the history of the MCU to the Watchers because he's been <laughs> there the whole time. Because there was a big rumor from years of like, "Oh, Stanley's probably a Watcher" because he's in all of these places at once. So it was kind of a play off that. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I would ask you guys who your favorite voice actor is in this one, but I think we're all pretty unanimous. So I think we could say Chadwick Boseman for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easily. So before we rate the episodes, one thing Al brought up talking about the future of the series and not just what we're going to, and I'm not talking about what we're going to see on this season, I'm going to uh, like next episode or whatever we're going to see in these episodes, but we're talking about how this is going to extrapolate out to the MCU. We've talked about this with WandaVision, Falcon and Loki. Um, Ken, you've been on many of those podcasts. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this extrapolates out. Al brought up a, a very key word earlier. And yes, Bill does pay attention to podcasts sometimes while he's also trying to watch wrestling uh, is multiverse. We have the multiverse of madness coming up. How do you guys, if you put your tinfoil hats on, how do you, how would you, or how do you think this series and this stuff we're seeing right now is going to play into any of the movies we have coming up? Ooh. So I'll let, I'll let everyone think, because I look at it like this, like I was right in a lot of ways we're saying we could see people coming back through the multiverse, which I would rather see than the one thing that bothered me was like, are they going to be scrolls? You know, they're impersonating people. Like to me, I feel that's a little bit of a cheap way out. 
multiverse is a different thing. And like, if we're able to incorporate the multiverse into Dr. Strange and we're going to see this apply to Spider-Man, I'm all for that. Cause I think that would be really cool if we're able to, and Thor love and thunder as well. Things that already have a supernatural tint to it. I don't know if we need to see it in the Hawkeye series or anything like that, but I, I think like this could like in, it could really be an interesting way to do this and tie into this multiverse and explain the multiverse without having to take this huge exposition time out of Dr. Strange. Um, so that's like kind of my general thoughts on that. So Ken, what do you think? You know, considering that idea of like resurrected characters, I actually think it might be something that's less obtuse, but almost more impactful of like maybe rather than having characters cross over from different planes of dimension it'll be a thing of information where a character interacts with a different reality and they learn something from being in there and then they go back to the regular reality it's like a thing of just like information gathering because there's a value in that where it could change the course of how different characters interact or how different people react to things so i almost imagine it's going to be a situation like that where it gives an option to see different types of character interactions, but see them have a larger impact than just a moment. Al, what do you think? I think Ken kind of nailed it. I, I, I can't see Marvel, it's not Disney. I can't see Marvel doing something for, for shits and giggles. Like everything has a purpose. Um, if this is going to be their first foray into animation, it only makes sense for them to connect it in a big, bad way. I don't know necessarily how, which gets me excited because I can't see it from a mile away. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what that entails. But I mean, even if we got to see like, and this is swinging for the fences, live action Captain Carter, that'd be cool as hell. We'll see. I'm excited. So let's rate this on a, I don't have a clever gimmick right now. Well, maybe we'll say I want to 10 watchers. What would you give? Uh, it's the best I could do. There's that's the one common thread. All right. um, uh, what would you guys have rate um, the cap, the captain Carter episode of what if so Ken, you're our guest of honor. I'm going to start with you. Oh, am I, am I rating out of 10? What am I rating out of? Yes. 10 watchers. One to 10, 10 watchers. watchers. Ooh, and you could have I, half a watcher. It's fine. I would rate the Captain Carter eight out of ten. Eight, yeah, eight. I would say good eight, solid eight. And what? Why? Uh, why is that? I would say it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the predictability aspect, but of what animation could be. But out of all, it, it had so much heart. So I think the heart kind of transcended the medium. And even though so much of what transpired was predictable, it was still really enjoyable to watch. So I felt like it was transcended enough, but there was still like some more depths it could have explored. But I'll take what I can with a good old animated show. Al, what about you? Uh, scale one to ten watchers on the Captain Carter episode. I'm going to go seven and a half watchers, which means like Thanos just like, <laughs> chopped a watcher in half and he, um he yeah because he got I, talked out of it pretty much i thought i thought that this was a good way to lead off a way to kind of introduce people to the concept um but i didn't think it took as many risks as the second episode did so i thought that was um 
why I lowered it a little bit, um, you know, spe- specifically comparatively, comparing to the f- uh, second episode. Comparing, my God, I got to go to sleep. Yep, uh, I'd say eight for me because I really liked how they just took the Agent Carter character. So we're gonna we're gonna just change. We're gonna swap her out for Steve Rogers, and let's see how the first Avenger movie would be with her from her perspective. And I really enjoyed that because the agent Carter character was able to flourish in ways that uh, she wasn't allowed to uh, in the, in the first movie, both literally and figuratively. So I thought it was great. I love the, the change of the Steve Rogers character, just the change of what he does without a super soldier serum, without ever changing the heart of Steve Rogers. And it was also like Ken said, it, it was a very heartfelt episode because they had a great, those two had a great chemistry together and that love was still there and it was still really cool. So let's now rate um, the T'Challa episode. I'm going to start, go first and do in reverse order. I'm going to give that um, a nine out of 10 watchers from me. Um, most, a, a lot of that was because just to get Chadwick Boseman back in there, it seemed like he was having a blast in this role because it was just putting T'Challa in a really fun situation in this heist type situation where he was like Ken said, he was able to play a really a, the, a cooler character he didn't have to be the the regal royal um you know burden on his shoulders t'challa he could just essentially be the fun side of peter quill without being a, a jerk and uh that that was fantastic and i i loved the thanos change and everything was great there um it was it was such a fun episode and it was a very emotional episode especially with the ending just being what it was um Al, quickly, what was your rating for the uh, the T'Challa episode? Oh, man. Uh, I think this would be like a 9.5 for me. Nine and a half watchers. Uh, I think the only reason it's not a 10, I just wanted it to be longer. I thought it was kind of perfect. I'd like to have seen um, the reason why it would be a little longer. I'd like to see like more of like a, like a montage of growing up T'Challa as a Ravager. I thought that would have been cooler. Um, only way to make it better. Uh, yeah, nine and a half. It was awesome. It was great to see him again. Great to hear him again, at least. And uh, I think the voice cast really came out to give him like a proper awesome send off. My good man, you're fine. you're gonna close this out. So funnily enough, I would give it at eight and a half, eight point five. So it's interesting. It's kind of like. It, this kind of reminds me of a situation where you listen to like an album and it's like um, there's a song that you don't love as much as another, but you re- recognize that it's the artist's best song. So for me, in that sense, it's like I weirdly enjoyed the Peggy episode more because I felt like the heart that it conveyed was a little bit more potent. But in terms of like the experimental aspect and kind of like the risks that I want them to take in terms of the writing, I definitely enjoyed the Chadwick episode more on that level. So I felt like the heart was lacking until, you know, the very end, but I did like everything that we saw there. So yeah, it's, it's on track for what I want to see from this overall. And real quick question, keeping up with the series every week. Yes or no. Yes for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're not getting a new Mandalorian this year. So we should get the book of Boba Fett. Fingers crossed. That's true. Allegedly, we're getting that. So I'm looking forward to that. Don't worry. We'll be talking a lot during that time. Ken. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I think, Bill, I think we have to make the executive decision. I think we're going to be reviewing this every week. I think we are. I think we are, my buddy. Uh, guys, um, 
We'll do a real quick recommendations segment for you guys. Just for there's a lot been a lot of new content, a lot of new stuff coming out recently. Um, so we're just going to do a quick pop culture recommendation. I'll start it off real quick. Um, everyone go watch the new star series heels. Yes. Bill Bodkin, huge wrestling fan here, but essentially this show is Friday night lights. If you like Friday night lights, it's essentially the same thing, except it's wrestling. And it's like, you have a small town in the South at uh, the center of this town's, you know, source of entertainment is wrestling. And then it's basically, here's the, here's the private and personal lives uh, reflected therein. The wrestling in is phenomenal and very true to form. There's nothing that's antiquated or weird or just like kind of like written by someone who doesn't like wrestling. It's written by Michael Waldron, who did Loki. So you can imagine if you liked Loki, you're probably going to like the writing in this show as well. Stephen Amell is great. Chris Bauer is awesome. Um, I'm really stoked for this show. It's one of my favorite new shows of 2021. Um, and even if you're not into wrestling, it doesn't matter. It's just a very compelling story about um, brothers and loss and, you know, responsibilities and small town life and stuff like that. And it's it's a really well acted, well done series. Stars, air, uh, Heels airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. on Stars or you could stream it on the Stars app. I think you can, if you have Stars, you can stream it for free. Um, Al, what about you? Any quick recommendation for the people? Oh man, I've got like a bazillion. All right, quick no, music. Quick, get the hell out of here. Quick so. music one that I feel like Ken's gonna steal anyway. We're steal it first. Is uh, the Killers uh, Pressure uh, Pressure Machine? Probably their best album since Sam's Town. Really, really dig it. Um, very Springsteen esque, uh, stripped down Killers. Like it a lot. Uh, big fan. Can't wait to listen to it more. Um, Season two of Dave on FXX and next day on Hulu. You you put this over last week. This I put is, this over last week. This but is your Boilermaker by Royal Blood. That was my correct. I, but this was did I mention the finale? Oh, so touching. Uh, I you just did. watched the yes, Alex were arguing about it. Okay, so Ken is aware, and without spoiling anything, the penultimate and finale of season two of Dave is some of the best TV I've watched in ever. <laughs> I, don't about the, I don't know about the penultimate, but the finale I'm oh, in ever. Really don't, the penultimate's some really, really good television. The penultimate's the architect talking to Neo in Matrix Reloaded. Yeah, but everything leading up to it. God. You have to include as well. Uh, but the finale, can we, can we get tears? Were you oh, getting tears. teary? Tears. I got some man tears. Man tears. Uh, yeah, Dave, and also kind of low key show that I think is going to do really well come award season is physical on Apple TV Plus, uh, starring Rose Byrne. Uh, oh, checking out, kind of going blind because it's not what I expected. It's and, that's uh, be a tough very one. interesting. Tough one for award season because it came out right uh, right at the deadline for the Emmys. It's going to be a whole other year, and it did not get a ton of buzz. So yeah. It did not get a Apple TV, Apple TV Plus does not know how to uh, promote their stuff. They have a movie that was like a crazy hit at a festival Coda. and and was the most expensive film like bought at a festival. Like it was like oh, a huge yeah. like, record breaker. And People no one knows movies. shit about that movie. Well, Coda, and, no, Coda is actually getting decent, decent, re- de- good reviews. Yeah. It's getting 
that's getting some word of mouth, but physical got like nothing. There was that Joseph Gordon-Levitt show that came out at the same time. Rough, I think it's out at the same that time. That is out. I heard oh, that's not good. Right. Physical, but, had, but you okay. heard nothing about that show. I like physical, um, Lego Masters. Throw that on the list too. It's great, and of course, of course, the greatest show of all time. Holy moly, 3D. Oh no, holy moly, uh, three, uh, 3D in 2D. That's the name of the new season. It's the best show on the planet. Uh, also, I'll just jump back in. Go watch the Suicide Squad. Go watch Jungle Cruise. They're all freaking awesome. Started watching it. And you tell you which one? I started watching Jungle Cruise. It's great. And uh, it's on free. It's on Disney Plus. Watch Luca. It's the best movie this best movie of the year. Ken, you're gonna close it out. Give us all your recommendations. I totally forgot that Luca even came out. I need to see that. It's free, uh, so it's even better. That is great. You would uh, like Luca. Very good. I only have one recommendation. It's what I've been obsessed with for the last couple months. It's a podcast that's based out of Ireland, but you could stream it obviously anywhere you stream podcasts. And it's called uh, the Blind Boy Podcast, and it's become my newfound obsession. Uh, uh, obsession because essentially what it is is Blind Boy used to be in this rap duo, uh, rap comedy duo called the Rubber Bandits, and they would just make these absurd raps uh, that were like you know commentaries about like you know society in the world. And he's a very like well-read dude. And he studied uh, psychotherapy and uh, world history and all that. But essentially, he has this podcast where he just rambles on on, on a topic and it goes on a multitude of tangents that you don't think it's going to go. But he has a really weirdly soothing, calming voice. And it's honestly one of the most interestingly creative things I've listened to in a really long time. And every episode is both deeply personal while also very outward looking in the context of the world and i would highly recommend because uh, you can just jump into any episode there's not really a continuity but i'd highly recommend the episode called christ foreskin where he traces the history of jesus's jesus christ foreskin which is weirdly one of the most fascinating things you could ever listen to so go listen to blind voice podcast on jesus christ's foreskin and that's a hell of a way to end the episode. <laughs> Funniest thing I ever promise ever. you, go listen to it right like after this. Go listen to it, and afterwards you'll be like, "I don't know what I listened to, but I want to hear more of it." My God, um, Ken, where can people find you and your wonderful podcast uh, on the World Wide Web? Yeah, my podcast, The New Exchange, uh, season three. I, you know, it's funny. I haven't announced the date yet, but I'll announce it here because you know why the fuck not. Season three will be kicking off September 14th. And I'm pretty much like 75% done recording it. I've been like spending days editing it. So it's been really good. But yeah, it's the best season so far. And I can't wait for And you could find that wherever you stream podcasts, The New Exchange. And you could find me on social media at Konami Photo. That's K-E-N-A-M-I and photo spelt the American way. Not that European way with F-O-T-O. I don't know what that is. And can you, are you back to shooting concerts? I'm going to be for sure um, next month. I'm looking forward to that. Alphonse, uh, where can people find you in your limited exposure on the internet? <laughs> back to shooting concerts. Yeah, you are. Poprate.com. You can see those. You can see on my Instagram, at Al Manorino, uh, or on Twitter, at Al Manorino. You must follow me on Twitter. I am at Bodkin Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. I don't know why you would, because it's mostly about wrestling, but most importantly, it is retweets and talking about thepopbreak.com. 
a site I've been running since 2009. That is just, I just can't believe it's been that long, but yet here we are talking about it. It's very cool. Check out the popbreak.com every single day. We're talking movies, TV, music, anime, comic books, pro wrestling, digital trends, all that good stuff. Of course, we are on Twitter at the pop break on Instagram at the pop break forward slash popbreak.com all spelt out on Facebook. Check out the following podcast hubs we have. We have the Breakcast. We have Pop Break TV. We have And the Winner Still Is and the Way Too Early Oscar Podcast, which are found on the exact same streaming platforms you're hearing this on, which is Apple, Google, Anchor, and Spotify. So check those out. Um, and uh, also uh, yesterday, I'll just plug my own stuff. I was on last week's guest, Alex Marcus. I was on his Cinema Joe's podcast. I woke up really, really early in the morning to talk about the Suicide Squad. You will hear what Bill Bodkin sounds like at eight o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. Uh, it's not great, but it's very funny. So for the illustrious Ken Grandpierre, for the must go to bed soon, Al Manorino, I am Bill Bodkin, who is extremely sweaty in his very hot bedroom, uh, saying thanks for joining us on the Socially Distanced Podcast. Mm-hmm.